One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. My business used to be weighed down by the complexities of in-person payments. Then Stripe Tap to Pay on iPhone came along and changed everything. With Stripe, I streamlined my payment process effortlessly. No more juggling different methods. Just a simple tap on my iPhone and transactions are complete. What's truly remarkable is how Stripe caters to all my customers' preferences. Whether they're using cards, Apple Pay, or other digital wallets, Stripe ensures a smooth checkout experience every time. Setting up Stripe was a breeze, taking just minutes to get up and running. From local markets to global retailers, Stripe helped me expand my reach and grow my business with ease. To learn how Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe can help grow your revenue and reach, visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone. Deborah Abel has supported independent tech news directly for five years. Be like Deborah. Become a DTNS member at patreon.com slash DTNS. This is the Daily Tech News for February 6th, 2019 in Los Angeles. I'm Tom Merritt. And from Studio Feline, I'm Sarah Lane. From three and a half feet of snow in Salt Lake City, I'm Scott Johnson. And from warm winter spring skies, I'm Roger Shane, the show's producer. <laughs> Just rub it in Scott's face. Three and a half feet of snow, I'm warm. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> That's good. Listen, I got good soup weather, all right? F- fight me. I'll take any of you on. Soup is good food. It's like a... I bet McCormick will be having some hot new soup recipes from their AI collaboration with IBM soon. Whoa, really? Yeah. Awesome. Uh, Listen to DTNS earlier this week for more on that story. Uh, We are going to talk about Spotify's new strategy with podcasts. They had some good earnings news to go along with it, but let's start with a few tech things you should know. HP is creating what it calls a comfortable high-resolution headset featuring a resolution of 2160 by 2160 pixels per eye, codenamed Copper, for Microsoft's Mixed Reality VR platform. We don't have an official price or release date at this time, but Road to VR published a preview photo, kind of cool looking, says that Copper feels close to a finished product, and it's a strong bet it will launch sometime this year. You're a strong Mm. bet, Copper. Yeah, that seems all right to me. Microsoft announced its Build Developers Conference will take place May 6th to the 8th at the Washington State Convention Center in Seattle, Washington. Registration opens February 27th. And, oh, those dates sound a little familiar to your ears as they did mine. Uh, You might be familiar with Google as they announced last month that its I.O. Developer Conference will happen May 7th through 9th. So a little run over there. Microsoft Mm. just tried to scoop I.O. with that. Uh, Reuters reports its sources say German ministers and telecom operators discussed Wednesday whether to keep Huawei out of the German market to build 5G service. The sources say no consensus has been reached at this point, but a decision could come as early as next week. Huawei operates information security labs in Germany and the UK uh, that are meant for independent parties to come in and review the equipment that Huawei provides to networks. Remember, we're talking about switches and routers. We're not talking about phones here. Uh, Wednesday, Huawei proposed building a new security center in Poland, 
Uh, Poland is set to exclude Huawei equipment from its 5G networks. So Huawei trying to say, hey, we'll, we'll let you examine our equipment there and, and reassure yourselves. Meanwhile, the French Senate rejected proposed legislation that would have required telecoms to get formal approval for certain kinds of telecom equipment. It was a move thought to be targeted against Huawei. Uh, it's not that the French government won't ever be able to put this law through, but it's not going through this time. All right, let's talk a little bit more about gaming companies' earnings and why Epic Games is dancing. Yeah, they are dancing. Uh, Fortnite is ruining the stock market for game companies, that is. Uh, for instance, Take Two Interactive beat analytics, or excuse me, analyst estimates, thanks to Red Dead Redemption 2, but its forecast for coming quarters well below expectations, in part because of worries about, you guessed it, the big F word, Fortnite. Uh, EA reported revenue of $1.61 billion for the quarter, missing an estimate of $1.7 billion. And EA attributed that decline to three things. They say a million fewer sales of Battlefield Five than expected. That did underperform. Uh, they also uh, had a drop in mobile gaming revenue, which has been a strong point for EA for the last few years. So that was a bit of a surprise. And, of course, Fortnite, the big F word. Activision Blizzard stock even took a hit, and it didn't announce any earnings uh ea uh, confirmed that battlefield 5's battle royale mode called firestorm will still launch in march uh it launched later than the the game proper and uh, big news lately is respawn's free-to-play battle royale game apex legends launched on pc xbox one and ps4 kind of out of nowhere no advanced real warning it was literally three or four days of leak and launch uh, i played it it's kind of awesome but it is designed to disrupt you guess it Fortnite. Uh, Fortnite continues to be the dominant player in the battle royale genre, and they're a monster. And uh, it's very hard for these other companies to not only just find a way to compete or keep up with it, but to be able to develop their versions of this game type, which they think is the answer in a fast enough turnaround time to A, get to market and get some of that share, and B, bring in players who don't see this as just yet another money grab or a Johnny come lately. So it's a very weird mix right now that's causing the industry as a whole to have a bit of a stutter step, uh, despite the fact that it's really just one game they're dealing with, one massive, huge, all-encompassing game that seems like everyone's playing in their dog. And I'm I'm always the resident... Never played Fortnite. What's gaming person on this panel? But I do know enough about Fortnite to know what a big deal it is. And the fact that it might be eating into very large competitors' bottom lines is a big deal. So my question to you all would be, is Fortnite... Hi, this is Matt. And Sean. From Two Black Guys. With good credit. From a local business to a global corporation. Partnering with Bank of America gives your operation access to exclusive digital tools, award-winning insights, and business solutions so powerful, you'll make every move matter. Visit bankofamerica.com slash banking for business to learn more. What would you like the power to do? Bank of America, N.A., copyright 2024. The Claude 3 model family from Anthropic is your one-stop shop for enterprise AI. With models at every point on the price-performance curve, you no longer have to make trade-offs between intelligence, speed, and cost. Claude 3 Opus sets new industry benchmarks for intelligence. Sonnet strikes the perfect balance between skills and speed. And Haiku is the fastest and lowest cost model on the market, perfectly designed for high-volume, high-speed use cases. Join the thousands of enterprises who trust Anthropic to keep them at the frontier. Visit 
Anthropic.com slash Claude today. My business used to be weighed down by the complexities of in-person payments. Then Stripe tap to pay on iPhone came along and changed everything. With Stripe, I streamlined my payment process effortlessly. No more juggling different methods. Just a simple tap on my iPhone and transactions are complete. What's truly remarkable is how Stripe caters to all my customers' preferences. Whether they're using cards, Apple Pay, or other digital wallets, Stripe ensures a smooth checkout experience every time. Setting up Stripe was a breeze, taking just minutes to get up and running. From local markets to global retailers, Stripe helped me expand my reach and grow my business with ease. To learn how Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe can help grow your revenue and reach, visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone. Something different than former the former second life wave is is there something special about this game that is going to give it longevity that other games which uh were very very popular at one point didn't ultimately hold on to like world of warcraft right yeah world of warcraft is a great example i'm glad you brought that up because it's in its heyday in its time it was a huge phenomenon and kept a whole lot of people glued to their computers and still do in fairly large numbers in the millions still but even at their highest point which by all records, is right around 12 to 15 million for World of Warcraft at its peak in like 2009. Uh, they, that's still a tiny, tiny, tiny drop in the bucket compared to the user base of Fortnite. Now, part of that is World of Warcraft was a buy it and then also rent it per month kind of game. It had a subscription service, still does. Fortnite is free to play. You can get in there and play no matter who you are or where you are. So it has a massive advantage in that regard, or at least in theory, that's part of the reason. Um, and it's also being adopted by a large number of kids as their form of social media. This is where they meet and talk. This is where they share information. They're not doing it in Snapchat. They're not doing it in Facebook anymore. They're just meeting up in Fortnite and talking over comms or texting each other through on the PC version or on the phone. So it's a big, messy thing. Probably an entire topic for another show. We could go even deeper. And I think there's yeah, going to be... Yeah, maybe we should do that. Yeah. There'll be a movie and a book one day. But for now, just know that it is a disruptive force unlike previous. It was like uh, Warcraft, then Minecraft, then Fortnite. That feels yeah, like I, that, that's sort of the, the evolution of those kinds of things. That's fair. I would probably also throw League of Legends and MOBAs mm, in there. Yeah, no, that's, yeah, that's a good point. They're still having their day, but they're a little more limited in terms of scope and appeal. And this is just something else entirely. And it's, it's worth further discussion when we have a, you know, we got a whole topic to, to throw at it. Disney CEO Bob Iger confirmed that Captain Marvel will be the first Marvel movie to come to Disney Plus exclusively instead of to another streaming service. Disney has ordered 10 episodes of Diary of a Female President from crazy ex-girlfriend writer Ilana Pena. It will be produced by CBS TV Studios for Disney Plus. Iger also said that Disney intends to take Hulu International once it becomes the majority owner after its acquisition of the majority of Fox is complete. Iger also said that FX will out put content to hulu yeah it seems like he's indicating uh the stuff on disney plus just like on netflix netflix doesn't make everything or license everything netflix sometimes pays other production companies to make stuff uh and disney's going to do that uh just a lot of people don't realize american idol was created by cbs tv studios for fox 
back in the day. I, I think it might still be done for ABC that way. I'm not sure. So CBS TV studios making a show for Disney Plus. A lot of people are latching onto that as like, oh, so they're, they're not making all this stuff themselves. But it's not an acquisition of a previous show that was airing someone else, somewhere else. It's, it's commissioning something. And the idea that Hulu is where all the Fox stuff, where the adult stuff is going to go. You're going to have Marvel, Lucasfilm, and kids stuff on Disney Plus, family-friendly stuff on Disney Plus, and Fox, adult-oriented stuff. National Geographic might go to Disney Plus, but most of the other Fox stuff goes to Hulu. And I think Nat Geo is going to Hulu as well. Um, that makes sense. Uh, Hulu is is the complement to Disney Plus, and and if that, those are two strong offerings for Disney to have. Like it's like Disney and Touchstone in the eighties and nineties. That's mm, what this reminds me. Of. Interesting. They're yeah, a little separate a label like to push more. You know, the content that doesn't fit under the normal Disney umbrella. 18-year-old Linus Hensey posted a demo video of an exploit called Keysteal, which can copy passwords from macOS's login and system keychains without needing admin privileges. That's a pretty bad exploit. It works even if system integrity protection or access control lists are configured, although it does not affect iCloud keychain. Usually, I try to emphasize that these sort of stories are good news because a researcher discovering a vulnerability before the bad folks do means the company can patch it and we're all safer because of it. Except, in this case, Hensi is not sharing details of the exploit with Apple. In protest over the company's bug bounty policy, specifically that Apple pays bug bounties for iOS bugs, but not for macOS bugs. And he says, hey, you know what? I guess you don't care about macOS bugs, so I will demonstrate that I've, I've exploited this. I will offer a mitigation. Uh, there's a way to add a password to your keychain to mitigate this, uh, but I am not going to share it with Apple right away until we get this figured out. Mm. It seems like a big enough exploit that Apple might want to rethink its bug bounty policies. Yes, and I think this is not responsible disclosure, and I am firmly for responsible disclosure. I get why he's doing it, and I don't know, maybe this kind of disobedience is the only way to make the point, and it'll shove Mm -hmm. Apple into doing it, but I, I can't condone this because... It is putting people in danger. Now, people who didn't think about this bug will go try to figure out how to do it. And if somebody can do it, then they might be able to take advantage of it before Apple can patch it. Or maybe Apple will figure out how to patch it anyway. Who knows? Doesn't it? Yeah, it makes people who might want to exploit this in the first place. They don't need his explanation. They just have narrowed their focus. And now they can focus on finding the exploit themselves. And then enough time passes while they're having this back and forth. And pretty soon we're all vulnerable, or at least Mac users are. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I don't like any of this, actually. All of this bugs me. I wish Apple was better about their bounty system, and I wish this guy wasn't holding it hostage. It'd be nice if they could find a way to come together. Right now, over this bug. (laughs) Come together. Uh, The New York Times reports net income of $55.2 million, driven by revenue of $709 million from its digital business. The Times reports it's employed an all-time high of 1,600 journalists. That's their current employment. Uh, day, uh, digital ad revenue increased 22.8%, not, no small number there, uh, while print ad re- avenue declined 10.2%, uh, sort of a continuing decline overall. And uh, digital ads made up 53.9% of ad revenue. Uh, hey, everybody, guess what? Uh, the, the, at least the companies who make print media are doing okay, doing all right. 
Doing good online. And it's interesting because the New York Times is, I read plenty of New York Times stories, but I don't pay my monthly fee. So I do get capped at, I believe it's 10 articles per month. And it's always a little annoying when I'm like, ah, crap, I got to to the end of that one. And just because usually the New York Times stories that I'm looking at for the show, I can find elsewhere. How many browsers do you use to read the New York Times? Kind of way I think of it. (laughs) Never you mind. But, uh, but, but, but I, that is a model that at first I thought this is annoying enough that they'll drive away people entirely. But I assume that is actually opposite of what the case is. Yeah. I remember Tom saying this, didn't you? You used <sighs> yeah. to spell the doom. And so did uh, I. Well, yeah, I, I have to admit, I am one who thought that eventually that these paywalls would not work out for most companies. I knew it worked well for the Wall Street Journal, uh, but limiting access to your fans uh, to get your stuff, I always thought was a bad idea. But I think the New York Times figured it out like had just the right amount available for most people for free to keep their impressions up for ad sales and be able to bring in digital ad, digital revenue from subscriptions. So yeah, um, I, w- I was, I was wrong about that, at least in the case of the New York times for sure. Uh, and it seems like they're doing well. Also, Sarah, you pointed out Claire Atkinson, senior editor of media at NBC news tweeted that 265,000 new digital subscribers in Q4 include 93,000 who signed up for crossword, cooking, or other digital-only non-news products. So the old the old situation where people subscribe to a print publication for not the news, classifieds, the life section, the sports section, that's still true. Hmm. Yeah, I think I think it's important that the the New York Times subscriber who got their paper delivered every day or, or even the Sunday edition as my mom I think still does. Oh yeah. This this is different than somebody who is able to only pay for the crossword online. It's not the entire paper. You're not necessarily reading all the world news. Some of them certainly are, but it sounds like a lot of these numbers are not the same subscription. You can add a bunch of subscribers, but if they're only paying for a very small part of what the New York Times offers, that's not the same. It's not exactly the same. I mean, yeah, I, I, somebody I, who's spending all their entire day reading the New York Times online. I want to float a theory, and this is for either of you to just tell me I'm wrong. So I'm just going to float a little theory I have. Okay. It seems like it's a combination of two things. One is when they started down this road, it did seem crazy, and it didn't match with the rest of what we all thought would be the future of content delivery on the internet. But what happened is two things happened. They dug in and stuck with it through a very interesting transition online where microtransactions, the ability to subscribe to services that we value in other mediums like Netflix, like Hulu, like that stuff came to be. Now you have many, many offerings in that regard from traditional media companies even. So it seemed like we got to a place where we were grumpy about the idea of subscribing to things digitally and now we're over it and we do it all the time. And so them holding out this long was a key. I think the other key is very rich, regardless of where you may land on how you like the news these days, a very rich environment for lots and lots of things to be informed about. And a big temple company like the New York times is going to be right there to snap it up. So it's about sticking with it and also kind of a, happy accident of a time for news equals they succeeded wildly. Also, don't don't misunderstand. 93,000 signed up for non-news, but the majority of new digital subscribers signed up for news. The majority of people want news. 
It's just a bigger number that didn't want news than maybe you would have expected. But I think uh, the New York Times was smart into getting into digital way early. Back in the 90s, they were putting out a, a version of the front page on the web that, that rendered really nicely in Netscape. They've been ahead of this game for a long time. They found the balance. Uh, and I think this puts the lie to the idea that journalism can exist on the web. I've been saying for a long time, while I was entirely wrong about the paywall, I have been saying for a long time that journalism is fine. Just figuring out when the playing field is this equal for everybody. There's no difference between TV, radio, and print. There's no difference between a small town paper and a large conglomerate that's international. Uh, It's going to shake out a lot of things. And it looks like the New York Times has figured out how to navigate those those waters fairly well. Yay, news. (laughs) Also, in very good news, I know this is going to make everybody happy. The Unicode Consortium finalized Emoji version 12.0, adding 59 new emoji types to the standard, making up 230 new emojis when you include skin tones and genders. This includes accessibility emojis, like an ear with a hearing aid, someone in a wheelchair, prosthetic limbs. New animals include a sloth, an otter, and my very favorite, a skunk. And new food items include waffles, garlic, and thankfully, a juice box. (laughs) Axes, chairs, and swimwear are also new. This brings the emoji set up to 3,053 total gifts. Can you think of anything grosser, though, than a combination of waffles, garlic, and a juice box? Just as (laughs) (laughs) I always use an axe to cut my waffles, garlic, and jukebox, yeah. I feel like there's probably a savory garlic waffle out there that isn't too terrible. That's a good point. You got to wash it down with something. Something. Juice box. Uh, I I, uh, think this is great. I would just say that I'm getting to the point, though, where I have a little bit of paralysis when I'm choosing emojis. And I just default to like the five I used to use on ICQ, smiley face, frowny face, uh, thumbs up or whatever, because it's starting to get to the point where I'm just like, I don't even know what I want. I don't know what I want. There's thousands of them here. What do I want? I don't know. How about a smiley face? Done. I don't know if that's because I'm getting old or what, but that's where I'm at. Too many emojis. What happened to just a smiley? That was good enough for me. A winky face. (laughs) That's all I need. Hey, folks, if you want to get all the tech headlines each day in about five minutes, be sure to subscribe to DailyTechHeadlines.com. Spotify reported monthly active users rose 30% on the year to 207 million. That's good news. Operating profit of 94 million euros. Net income of 442 million euros. First time they're profitable. That's good news. Although both those numbers fell short of analyst expectations, that wasn't as good news. Spotify also announced it has acquired a podcasting company or is in the process of acquiring podcasting company Gimlet and podcasting mobile platform Anchor and says it wants to spend about $200 million acquiring more podcasting-related businesses. Uh, if you don't know, Anchor is a platform we used to do daily tech headlines on that provides podcasters a way to interact with their audience, publish their podcasts to multiple platforms, and now they'll be able to funnel those podcasts right into Spotify. Gimlet, of course, Sarah, I know you're a big uh, fan of, of their very high-quality shows. Yeah, it started with Startup. Remember that podcast? It was all about how do we start a startup? That was what Gimlet Media was. And and they've produced some really fast, fascinating and high quality stuff. Reply All is my favorite show. Uh, I listen to it every single week. And so my first reaction to this was, oh, man, I'm not a Spotify user. I'm on Apple Music. Does my Gimlet stuff go away? Does this become something behind a Spotify walled garden of sorts. And I don't think that would that would be the case. They would lose so many people by doing that. I think 
What's probably going on is that Gimlet Media is a great example of a podcasting network that grew from nothing into something uh, very strong, very high audience numbers, uh, um, very healthy advertising revenue, and something like Anchor could be pushed by Spotify to say, and you could be the next Gimlet. Right. Right. And so. and I think they'll use Gimlet to create some exclusives that are new. Probably. Or maybe yes. things that launch on Spotify first before they go wide. But I think the really interesting thing going on here is Spotify looking at its free tier where it doesn't make as much money as its subscriptions. You know, 207 million users, 93 million, I think, are, are paid. And that's where it makes most of its money. Their free tier works when it gets people in the tent and then they move up to premium. They can start reducing the music options in the free tier if they get people coming for podcasts. And I think that's super smart. They're going to have to do a lot of work to improve their app for podcast listening. It's really not designed well for that right now. But if they do that, and maybe Anchor helps them with that, right, they can then create a situation where you come for the podcast, stay and pay for the music. Yeah, I'm stoked that they're that uh, from the beginning when they started just moving more toward a more podcast friendly app um in the beginning it was a little bit closed and that bugged me yeah that bugged me too. Up. they opened up and they said hey everybody put your feeds in and i did and it was easy and it was great and i was thrilled and then this came along and i went that's kind of cool but it's it smells like you're gonna hide something from the rest of us or that you're gonna curate something to the point that it's no longer a podcast and i don't like it when companies do that Again, we don't know what they're going to do with original content from Gimlet. It may just be that they've now just got a really great powerhouse arm of content creation and then anchor as a way of bringing people in or executing on the promise of smaller people being able to make cool podcasts or whatever they do that with strategically. It all sounds great. I just get nervous that when these companies get to a certain place and for all the heat people give Apple for their closed gardens and stuff, they have at the very least kept their their um their their podcast world in a relatively open space you can get the podcast wherever you want itunes is a place to get it but it doesn't lock it in there's no reason you can't get it somewhere else uh i i hope they follow that path because i just feel like the medium needs to always be that always needs to well, have don't, that don't forget spotify has a label uh, and in fact, we talked about uh, the label out of uh, Girosavin in, uh, in in Girosavin in in India. Mm-hmm. That and the idea with those labels isn't to keep the music only on those streaming platforms. Label artists on on Spotify's label are played on Apple Music and other services, right? It's just Spotify gets to feature them. They get to exclusive. They get to get early releases. And so I could see them doing that with podcast talent too, saying, "Hey, what's working for music artists?" We can also do with podcasters. In fact, I think it would be super smart for Apple Music to do the same thing because Apple does have exclusive recordings and live concerts and things that they put out only on Apple Music, at least initially. And and doing that with podcasts, when you're the predominant podcast provider out there, I mean, 50, I think it's 50 plus percent of people listen to their podcasts through iTunes somehow. <laughs> uh, I, I I think they might be missing something there by not snapping up a company like Gimlet. I, I get it. I, I hope uh sorry, sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you. I just I just hope what they do is is not dangle carrots in front of me the way, say, Star Trek Discovery is with CBS CBS All Access. Like I, I don't I don't like the whole here's a little taste. Now come over here and pay for our thing. I know that's not what they're saying and we don't even know how this is all going to play out. You but- mean like like Netflix does uh with Stranger Things where they're like, well you can only get it if you pay for Netflix. Kinda 
I mean, you make a good point, but, <laughs> but Netflix isn't a bunch of independent creators making a thing we should all just have open access to. There's a there's a core ph- philosophical problem I have that that maybe we don't need anymore. Maybe I'm two two thousand fouring my brain here, and I'm just like, yeah, podcast man, it's the new way. We're all open; everybody can get it. And maybe that's starting to change, and well, everyone's going to co-op. There, there are two different things here. I would hate it if Spotify started walling off a lot of stuff. In fact, that was my biggest problem when they started adding podcasts: is you had to do it only through them. Like you, you couldn't. They weren't just opening it up to anybody. And and one thing they need to add to their app is the ability to put in a custom RSS feed. Right? You can't take any of our Patreon RSS URLs and put them in Spotify yet. And a lot of people like to do that sort of thing, not just for our show. So I'm with you there. Like leave make open podcasting part of your service. But I don't think that prevents them from having a few exclusives and in-house things as long as they they allow those things to go out on the open market at some point. Yeah. Sorry, Sarah, you were going to say something. I totally cut you off. No, it's okay. I, I have been following Spotify's introduction into the podcast world for a while and wondered why more wasn't happening. It was sort of this, oh, Spotify's getting into podcasts. Cool, I guess. You know, we all work in podcasting. I'm always interested in these sorts of things. And it all seemed a little stalled. I knew folks who couldn't get a hold of anybody over at Spotify to figure out why they couldn't get their podcast featured. And the 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 anchor acquisition, the Gimla acquisition is interesting, but the anchor acquisition is so much more interesting because the whole point of anchor is Anybody could do this. We will walk you through it. You can produce a podcast from your phone if that's what you want to do. We have lots of tools. We have folks here who are ready to help you build your audience. And Spotify certainly wasn't doing that for a large majority of people who were interested in working with them in the past. So that's that's this big open up tool that I think really put Spotify on a, a, a interesting somewhat level playing field with iTunes at this point. iTunes doesn't have anything like Anchor. I mean, you can anybody can get a podcast featured on iTunes as long as your 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 feed is correct. But to have Spotify have all of these tools inside that now are offered to one would think anybody um and I would think it would be for free at least on some level, then it 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 changes the company completely. And Daniel Eck has said that CEO of Spotify has said that they're and invest something like $500 million this year into podcasts with these acquisitions that eats into that that number quite a bit. But the company is really serious about this. Listen, folks, if you quadruple what we're making on Patreon, well, we can talk. <laughs> <laughs> also talking is everyone on our subreddit. Thanks to everybody who submits stories and votes on others. You have a lively community there. Love to see you. Dailytechnewsshow.reddit.com. We're also on Facebook. Facebook.com slash groups slash dailytechnewsshow. Let's check out the mailbag. Oh, we got a good one today, Tom. Frank, also Cervantes47, wrote in about our kinetic energy discussion yesterday and how it might replace batteries and devices like pacemakers, things inside your body. Frank says, this hits close to home because back in 2007, I had an implantable cardiac defibrillator implanted under my left shoulder to help manage an irregular heartbeat that could cause an arrhythmia. The device has a 10-year battery. Unless it discharges, which happened to me due to an incorrect configuration setting. I moved a mattress and the ICD thought my heart rhythm was out of balance. These things happen. The results were shocking, pun intended, and I was taken to the ER where they were able to correctly load the settings. The battery ended up lasting only seven years. And in 2014, I was facing the prospect of having another surgery to install a new lithium battery. 
a single discharge took a third out of the battery life away. Can you imagine people who have this with multiple discharges? The thought of having frequent surgery is very anxiety provoking. It all worked out in the end. My cardiologist recommended not replacing the battery because my health improved. Now I'm just walking around with a dead device under my chest because removing it would involve another surgery. But imagine if I didn't need to charge the battery ever, my personal relief of not facing another surgery of or or even just the cost savings alone. That is great. We, we had a few people write in and say that the battery life is around 10 years. Uh, but this is a great example of the, even though the battery life's 10 years, that doesn't mean that you'll never have to replace that battery for one reason or another. And it strikes me that the people who have discharges are probably the people who have more health problems. That's why it discharges, right? That's why it goes into to work mm-hmm. to keep the pace, which means they're probably at a higher risk when they have the surgery. So it would be even more advantageous to those people if they had something that would just keep that battery charged. Thanks for the email, Frank. And yeah. we're glad that you're feeling better these yes, days. Yes, thank you, Frank. And Frank's a fantastic supporter of the show. So thank you for that as well. Thanks also to Scott Johnson for being with us this fine Wednesday. Scott, what is new? Well, uh, I just did a brand new episode of the, uh, the the monthly video game briefing with Patrick Beja. That's an offshoot, a spinoff of the Daily Tech News Show. So if you haven't heard it yet, uh, it's because you're not listening. We bring it up all the time. And, and dang it, you need to check it out because... It isn't your typical video game show. Patrick and I don't sit there and dig deep on strategy and metagame and all that sort of thing. We talk about big industry stuff, and we talk about what it means to be a more, I don't know, casual consumer of video games in the modern era. Do you play a lot of mobile? We talk about that stuff. Do you play uh, on a a main console and don't know what's happening with Nintendo these days? We fill you in without overwhelming you. So go check it out. You can find the links, the subscription uh, stuff, all that stuff over at frogpants.com slash mvgb. Our goal each month is to get one more patron than last month, and uh, some of you are being that person. But if you want to also be that person that puts us over the top, become a DTNS member right now. You'll get an ad-free RSS feed, uh, special episodes, uh, special perks. Right now, we're starting a new review effort called Live With It, where Sarah will take a product and use it for three months then come back and let us know what it's like to live with it so if you want to decide which earbuds sarah's going to live with for the next three weeks uh, or the three months sorry uh go to patreon.com slash dtns if you're a member look for the poll uh if you're not a member become a member and you can vote and help decide that at patreon.com slash dtns you say it so nicely tom i prefer to be live with it live with it (laughs) Do it for three months at least. Hey, our email address is feedback at dailytechnewsshow.com. We love your feedback. Keep them coming. They're amazing. We're also live Monday through Friday at 4.30 p.m. Eastern, 2130 UTC. You can find out more and you can also tell a friend, a neighbor, or possibly your grandmother. Dailytechnewsshow.com slash live. Sarah and I are out tomorrow, but Justin Robert Young and Shannon Morse will be here. Talk to you then. They will. Anyway. This show is part of the Frog Pants Network. Get more at frogpants.com. Diamond Club hopes you have enjoyed this program. <laughs> Hi, this is Janice Torres from Yo Quiero Dinero. If you own or operate a business, whether it's a local operation or a global corporation, partnering with Bank of America could be your smartest move. By teaming with Bank of America, you'll enjoy exclusive digital tools award-winning insights, and business solutions so powerful, you'll make every move matter. 
Position your business to capitalize on opportunity in a moment's notice. Visit bankofamerica.com slash bankingforbusiness to learn more. What would you like the power to do? Bank of America N.A. Copyright 2024. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mm. 